0: Welcome to People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and today with me, I have Wawa's diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist, Kayla Blanks. Welcome, Kayla.
1: Hi, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be here.
0: I'm so glad you can come on because one, I know you personally or professionally, and you're the one who kind of made the Staff Geek connection. Um, (laughs) I thought that this would be really, really appropriate to have you as my first guest because you're kind of the reason why I'm here. (laughs) Oh, I
1: feel so special. Thank you. I mean, I couldn't have like thought of someone better to get connected with Staff Geek, especially for the work that they need us. I was really happy to make the connection.
0: Yeah, and so here we are. And you recently um, got a position at Wawa within the past year, right? Could you yeah yes. detail, some details about that?
1: For sure, yeah. So I just started actually um, officially about hitting four months now. So that's really exciting. Um, prior to that, I was at Aramark, which is another food service, um, uniform services company as well. Some refreshment services happening there too. Um, but in my current role with Wawa, I do everything from soup to nuts, A to Z, strategy to execution when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion for the organization. Um, so with me and my, my team members, we make sure that, you know, how are we ensuring that DEI is truly a holistic approach at the organization which is really cool we are um a part of the people team but we make sure that we are you know how are we creating equitable processes processes in our people processes right but we right. take a much more holistic approach too as well and making sure we're a true business partner and a strategy partner for other functions too like um, consumer insights, right? Marketing, how are we working with our um, supply chain team to increase supplier diversity and visibility there? So really awesome, awesome mold that I've been able to, to join in.
0: That's amazing. And so how did your previous experience lead you to where you are now? Oh, such a good question. Um, so all of my previous
1: experience is um mostly around the human resources space. So a lot of talent management stuff, a lot of data analytics. Actually, my work in data analytics is how I got connected to Staff Geek in the first place. If you rewind a couple um, years ago, I was actually doing some blog writing for uh, another organization called employee cycle. That's how I met um, and got involved with staff geek. And then just kind of the relationship snowballed from there. So data analytics, especially people analytics is um, a passion point for mine, like kind of something that I geek out a lot about. And then as well did some work around employee engagement and some HR generalist type work. And what really got me into diversity, equity, and inclusion, because, you know, HR, we do DE&I kind of naturally within our day-to-day, at least some really great HR folks, right, and people folks okay. do DE&I every day, um, but You know, I was able and lucky enough to be able to actually lead an employee resource group at one point in my career. And when I did that, it allowed me to see, oh, DEI is actually like a business strategy. You can do so much more with diversity, equity, inclusion than just have it be a part of your HR function. So that's kind of what put me in this path of like, I need to get into this field um, and specialize in this.
0: Right. And HR trends, employees are looking for. Commitment from their workplace for DE and I. Um, so a lot of employers are being pressured and they're kind of overwhelmed by the structure. So do you want to talk about you know taking those baby steps or um, you know wanting to have you know a, a that holistic environment where it's just natural? Um, but what steps do you have to take to get there?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of the um the first step I always say is that you need to kind of take a step back and look at yourself, right? Self-awareness is critical. Um, and that is not just as like you as a leader or or your organization, but literally like think about your organization as a living entity. And your organization needs to be self-aware, right? It needs to step back and say, where are we? You know, where are our numbers? What does our demographics look like? What is going to make sense? What's our business model? Um, and what's that impact that we want to have? And you know that is going to be a great place for you to start to then figure out what are your needs going to be. If you're a very large organization with a hundred thousand employees, you might need a bigger staff, right? You're going to need quite a few folks, and depending on how holistic of holistic of an approach you're going to look for, you're going to need a lot of folks to get that job done. Um, are you going to take an approach where you want your diversity equity team, diversity equity inclusion team, to be kind of business partnering so they you could have a smaller team because then that means they're just consultants almost so to say within your organization versus having a team of 50 people where they do everything for the organization and they push out the programming. Um, Now, if you have a smaller organization of like 50 people, you probably don't need a team of 50 because then that your whole organization would be te and i which I mean, not a bad thing.
0: (laughs) And at Staff Geek, we talk about culture and how important culture is. And it sounds like Culture has to be one of the driving factors between that strategy when you you know go to create a DEI program.
1: For sure, because you're going to have to figure out where, um, how ready is your culture for diversity, equity, and inclusion? And I know that sounds a little uh, like everybody should be ready for DEI, right? So, so why should there be? Why should you take into consideration your culture? Well, if you have a bit more of a conservative conservative culture, some of the topics within um, the realm that we work in can feel a little bit more taboo, right? If you have a generational workforce that feels a bit, that skews a little bit towards maybe baby boomers or Generation X, they have been trained and told we don't talk about that. We don't talk about race at work, right? We don't talk about politics, and some of this stuff has become political a little bit, unfortunately. Um, so, their journey to to become a little bit more of an inclusive organization, or to be um, to become a much more DEI matured organization, is going to be a little bit different than maybe your younger, let's say, tech company, right? That is maybe made up with millennials or Gen Zers, you know, who are ready to fight the fight,
0: right? So talking about you mentioned data and how is that incorporate into you know structuring and setting goals. Yeah, data
1: is going to be the the one of the Biggest main points of your foundation when you're setting up your DEI structure and uh, infrastructure for sure, because at the end of the day, you don't know where you need to go if you don't know where you're starting. And a lot of what we work around when they talk about the diversity piece is your demographics. You need to know who's in your organization. You need to understand the makeups, right? So you need to understand where you're starting from an organization so you can kind of figure out what your goals are. But then when you try to go and then figure out your goals, you need to take other pieces of data into account as well you need to start to look at you know what is the market telling you right what uh talent is out there what talent is available for you How are you from an industry perspective, right? We know some industries are a bit more diverse, or they might be overrepresented in people of color, or they might be overrepresented in women, right? So if your goal is to have, let's say, 50% women in a, let's say, medical industry, you're going to easily hit that goal because we know, especially in nursing um, and some of these areas, it can be very overrepresented in women, but maybe your goal is to increase women representation in like higher levels of leadership and in like doctors, because we know that sometimes in the uh, doctor area, uh, they may not be so much represented.
0: Right. So how do you create, you know, how do you take inventory of, you know, what you have and create a personalized uh, plan? Because, it, you know, it sounds like no one plan will work for every single organization. Mm -mm.
1: No, (laughs) but there's some really great places to start, right? I think, you know, first and foremost, you can look at just your basic headcount numbers, right? You can just see... You know how many employees do you have and what are those breakdowns there? But then um when we start to think about and I, I think about that as the, the diversity piece, right? Like when we talk about D E and I, if you want to think about your data that's gonna support diversity, it's just gonna be your basic headcount, basic demographics, what does your representation look like? Um, but then I do ask that you start to break it down from levels of leadership, right? Where's your representation at the lowest level in your organization? And is that reflective of your leadership as well? Too I think that that's sometimes it's- huge um, part that we don't always talk about is that sometimes, you know, even though we may not have, like, everybody may not be a person of color at the top, or maybe everybody may not be a woman, but is it reflective of the folks who are in your lower levels of your organization as well? It can be a really great measure for you. But then when we talk about the inclusion piece, there could be really other great metrics that you look like. What are your promotion rates? You know, um, are groups of individuals able to move around in the organization as other groups, right? Are white males getting promoted more than maybe your LGBTQ plus community members, right? Um, Those are really great metrics to look at. You can also look around your attrition rates. You can look at your turnover rates. We all know that turnover is a great indication of whether people are happy or not. You can look at your employee engagement scores as well um, and start to make sure you cross reference those and look those and break those down into the categories that you're looking to to amplify and support.
0: So diversity, equity, inclusion, they're often used interchangeably and that's incorrect. Could you share a brief breakdown of what each one means within an organization? Yeah, for sure. So diversity
1: is the uh, kind of the, the the basics, right? You need like to have diversity before you can get to inclusion, right? You need to have diverse teams, and that could vary for whatever your needs are. It varies by your industry. It uh, varies by the size of your organization. It even can vary because of where you are geographically located, and because of where your office is. And if you're requiring folks to come into an office, then it's going to vary because of where you are physically located, right? So that's the diversity piece. I think that's the piece that we we know about and we can most likely see too. And that's what we look for when we say representation as well. We're looking to see people who look like us in various areas of leadership or in the organization or in marketing or anything of that nature and how you promote yourself. And then uh, the equity piece is really, I think the actually let me go to inclusion first, and then I'll circle on back to include uh, to to equity. The inclusion piece, I think, is also what we are are aware of as well. Too, I think we pretty much understand inclusion is about bringing everybody together, making sure everyone feels like they have a voice, that they're being heard and seen. I think most people just want to be seen and heard. So how are we assuring that they can do that? And when you foster really great inclusion in an organization, they do that. And also a really great Um, thought process here too, as well as that uh, belonging is also a product of inclusion. So when you have really great inclusionary practices, people are feeling like they are valued. They feel like they belong within the organization. They feel like they are here and they're part of a bigger mission, vision, and values than themselves. The equity piece is a little bit more nuanced now, right? I think that's the piece where we are most folks still trying to get on board with and understand what does equity really mean um, and I want to also call out that equity is a little bit different than equality right so equality means everyone is given the same thing, you know, Lindsay, I have $50, I'm going to give you $50 and we're equal because we both have $50, right? But that $50 doesn't necessarily, giving us the same amount of money doesn't necessarily equate for maybe some challenges or, you know, all of the systemic barriers that might have approached us, right? So for example, um, maybe something that's actually a bit more of a realistic example, right, is like the hiring process, right? So saying that me and you go for the same job, and then we say okay well that's great and we're looking at your backgrounds we're looking at your resumes Um, but then what might be a differentiating factor for example is our college experience right let's say you went to Princeton and I went to an HBCU if we talk about some biases that might happen, right, you know, we might look at that and say, oh, well, Princeton, that's such a great school. That's an Ivy League. Lindsay should be at the top of the pile because she went and got her um, degree from Princeton versus this HBCU on the side. Um, creating an equitable practice and, and having those conversations to mitigate the bias out of that basically sits, helps folks to sit back and helps hiring managers to think about like, well, why? Are you putting that Princeton school on a pedestal, right? Um, necessarily maybe she didn't get into Princeton because she had better grades than Kayla. Maybe her, maybe Kayla's GPA is just as good as Lindsay's. Um, but because of the systemic um barriers that might have oppressed that might have put us back means that I may not have had that opportunity, right? So when we talk about equitable practices within the organization, we're just trying to understand how can we level the playing field and give people the leg up they may need to be then on that even playing field. There's some really great memes out there these days. I don't know if you've seen it before, but the one where they look, the kids over the fence trying to see the baseball game and to accommodate for their height, they're given different sizes of boxes, right? To meet those needs to help them all see. But then there's also this argument of just removing the fence altogether and removing those barriers altogether. And then we don't need to have, to create equitable practices, but that's a whole other conversation.
0: Right. <laughs> and you brought up another topic of bias in hiring. I mean, how often do we hear that, um, uh, you know, your the resume studies between, uh, you know, they, they create resumes with, typically white names, they create resumes with typically black names, and there's huge biases. Um, You know, how many studies have we we done about that? Um, But that's just kind of tip of the iceberg happening. There's so much more that's contributing. Um, Could you go in uh, about bias in hiring, and what are some easy ways that we can do to eliminate that?
1: Yeah, there are some really great ways. A lot of systems will actually help you do that now. Some really um, great so applicant tracking systems, of course, can help you mitigate those biases. Um, Creating standard interview questions, right, uh, can help you as well. And, And especially ones that are based in science a little bit more, right, that are a little bit more focused on the true needs and responsibilities or requirements of the roles so that you can then compare apples to apples right you know that the same questions are being asked throughout the interview process so that then they can be everybody can be be compared equally across the board right which i know can feel a little bit unnatural for hiring managers to feel like they're a robot just spitting off questions which i think that's where a little bit of training comes into play to help it feel still a little bit more conversational not everybody's super natural um at that, but I definitely um, argue that that could be a really great way to start to mitigate some bias, but also creating debrief moments, right? Don't, um, if you allow hiring um, people who are in an interview panel and having a diverse interview panel too, as well, not like looking sometimes and saying, oh, hey, I know all of these folks are important to be a part of this person's interview process, but do we have a mix-up? Is everybody looking the same on the interview panel? Can we even make sure that they are Different from various backgrounds, departments, races, genders, things of that nature can really vary. But then have the opportunity to have a debrief, right? And so that they can maybe sometimes hear from each other what they got out of it, because then that can call out some of their biases at times too, and also help them um, make sure you're hiring for the right person. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a lot of internal bias, and um, people hire who they can relate to, who they, you know, and with you know, a lot of leadership, it is white men. So I think that that is so important to bring in outside perspective, because it's not about who you get along with, it's about who can do the job and, you know, who can help push the team forward.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, and this conversation of culture fit too, right? How do we hire for culture fit? And and that's always a big challenge for me, because I say, you know, understanding the culture of the organization is super important, and yes, you do want to ask questions uh, to your per- the person that you're interviewing or the candidate to let them know this is the culture that we have and this is the culture of the organization. And you want to make sure that that person's going to be comfortable to navigate the space. But, you know, let's start to think about how can we make sure we're hiring for culture ad, right? How can we make sure that this person is not going to just assimilate into the culture, right? And become another like, I don't know if you're a star, star tribe. Um, geek, but I am. And I always think of assimilate in the Borg, right? And, you know, how are we just coming another, like, peg of, like, <laughs> a part of the system and the man, right? Um, but how can we avoid that? Because, again, diver- the point of diversity is innovate. Not well, not the point, but, like, the biggest benefit and amazingness that comes from diversity equity and inclusion is the innovation and the creativity and the sharing of ideas and the open-mindedness and how we can come together so if you're just looking for people to assimilate into your culture you're, you're doing it wrong you're, you're missing yeah. out on it and and you're really losing out on some amazing opportunities for your organization to grow and develop and be amazing
0: yeah, because I mean, you talk about the the Princeton Virginia, uh, HBCU example. I mean, that as someone from an HBCU, could be bringing so many different experiences and viewpoints that you would have never had. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about the uh, the GPA or the name. Um, yeah. You know, there are so many places and so many people that you can get experience, uh, ideas that can, again, push your organization forward. Right. And, you know, and
1: think about when you diversify the networks that people come from you're also opening up your business to new and varied business as well right like how many times is it our employees or our folks and within our circles that are bringing more and diverse different businesses to us and to our organizations right so you know as as you go and say like that could have been that hbcu market could be a whole area you've never tapped into because you've just never like thought to like connect with people in that area but as you bring them into the organization they're bringing an entire market that you may not have ever explored before.
0: Yeah. Um, and for a moment, could you explain HBCU just in case oh. people don't know the, uh, the- abbreviation? <laughs> You're so right. I was like, yeah, let's just roll with this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a historically Black college um, and university. And it's actually a formal designation um, that has been around for quite a while now. Um, and then there also are other institutions that I also want to call out that we don't, so We I think HBCUs is the kind of Uh, standard right that's the buzzword term I think are the buzzword schools that we know about but there are also like um, Hispanic serving institutions like HSIs that Mm -hmm. are also um, important to think about and consider within your talent pipelines basically uh, you want to look for non-PWIs or predominantly white institutions is sometimes Mm -hmm. the terminology there too as well when you think about diversifying your, your talent
0: pools. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about also um, in your career, psychological safety too. Um, you know, it's not just about getting a diverse uh, team for the company pictures, you have to, you know, cultivate an environment where people feel safe. Um, so could you talk about that psychological safety aspect of it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Psychological safety is is critical. I I don't think we talk enough about it. Um, Psychological safety is, is, at the end of the day, is about how are we ensuring folks, when they are in the room, that they feel that they are comfortable enough to speak up without fear of retaliation. A fear of um, being, you know, demoralized for some reason, or being made fun of. You know, you know, you're you're that kid in the classroom. Are you going to raise your hand or not? You know, and speak up about something. And people feeling confident and secure enough to speak up is the only way you're going to get that differing opinion, where that innovation and that creativity can happen. So psychological psychological safety is critical, um, and it's something that does come from your culture. That can be your your organization's culture perpetuates psychological safety and your leadership teams perpetuate psychological safety so you know when you're in a room how often look around and see how who are the people who are speaking up. if you have if you feel like everyone in that room is easily able to share their ideas you know say hey you know I think that this thought is um you know I thought that was a really cool business model or oh I was at a competitor the other day and I saw that they had tacos on the menu we should have tacos right um that shows, those are signs of psychological safety and everyone feeling that they can speak up and have an avenue and channel to do so that meets their needs can do so. But then what I will say a true indicator of, of psychological safety is when people are pushing back. If you have some, if you have a team who's willing to challenge your ideas, if you have a team that is willing to say, you know what, I don't think that necessarily sounds appropriate or right, you have a, you have probably some strong psychological safety happening in your organization.
0: That's great. And uh, one thing I, I've been reading uh, as a result of the pandemic is, um, you know, a lot of people enjoying remote because it's free from micro microaggressions. Now, would acknowledging and being mindful of microaggressions within the workplace be part of those psychological safety efforts?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you can't, microaggressions, right, are the small, nuanced, um, moments that might go undercover, right? The the little comments you might hear that, oh, that looks really, really like oh, you're you're. I like your hair that way, right? I think mm-hmm. it's the one that we talk a lot when it comes from a black woman's perspective, right? Or like or um, saying saying little things like, oh, I didn't think you would be interested in that or wanted to be involved in that. Sometimes it can come off a little backhanded comments, right? Things of that nature. So those moments where it alienates people or isolates people or makes them feel like they're not a part of the group or that they feel like they're not understood or seen then yes those those microaggressions culminate into and snowball and become further and further alienating for folks to feel much more not a part of the group so for sure those microaggressions can continue to cause um and chip away at folks psychological safety
0: mm-hmm so for people who, you know, you talk about, they are, they are micro and it, there could, you know, there's, um, uh, unconscious bias happening in a lot of them. So what is a great way to, um, you know, recognize that to kind of, you know, wake up and be like, oh, this is, I should not be doing this. (laughs) You know, (laughs) how, basically if you, if you aren't aware of it, how do you start to become aware?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question because, and I feel like we talked about this. Right, everything is so nuanced in this space because we're dealing with people's individual wants and needs. Right, Mm -hmm. what I want is definitely not going to be the same thing that you want, Lindsay. um, But we can hopefully kind of approach the world in a in a space of vulnerability. Right, Mm -hmm. sharing our stories, getting to know each other. Um, I ask folks to immerse themselves in the cultures or identities or areas that they may not necessarily identify with. That's going to be your first step because. a lot of times when it comes to microaggressions um it bec- it's it stems from places that are perpetuated within cultures and societies right like i brought up that example of the hair right hair is stigmatized within the black community um, and it is a challenge um, a huge huge burden and challenge and, and weight on women's shoulders at times to think about how they walk into the room and if their hair going to be something that is called out for them right mm-hmm. so if you're not immersed in that community, you may not know that. So you may think you're making an innocuous, um, or a, um, small, nice compliment, but you don't realize how that could be like perpetuating some stereotypes or biases that you just don't know. Um, so the only way for you to change what you don't know is to start to know, right. Start to learn, um, start to read books, start to um, make some friends who look a little bit different than you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I say authentic friends too. Don't don't just go to your local, you know, PTA or group or community church and say, "Hey, we go to the same church. Let's let's be like friends, right?" <laughs> Try to be more meaningful with them. Get to know them. Get to get to be true, authentic friends with them. And and be vulnerable yourself. And know that uh, and humble as well. Be vulnerable mm-hmm. and humble because at the end of the day, you're probably going to make a mistake. Yeah.
0: But if you come somebody- someone tells you about it it's you know usually not rooted in shame it you know like it's it's rooted in hey here's how you can be better to other human beings <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes people don't
1: also want to correct you too as well right and yeah. give them that grace to also not want to educate and correct you all the time right. too. so <laughs> yeah if someone says you use the wrong pronouns for them that's okay They're like oh i'm bad my bad and keep it moving Make yeah. that mental note and make sure you're using the right pronouns going further. You also don't have to make a, per, a big production of a of a sorry either.
0: <laughs> actions do speak loud.
1: Yes, if those do. actions
0: are speaking in the future, then that's good. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate you know your input on how we can make the workplace better for you know, everyone, especially those who, you know, have a different experience of the workplace than others. Um, What you're, the work you're doing is incredible. And um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about anything you're doing that is exciting or you want to share.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm a busy woman out here living, trying to live my best life in this DEI space. So, you know, from from a Wawa perspective, still just trying to you know get acclimated to the culture learn I think I will say let me as a good piece of advice for any of my DEI folks or people leaders who are looking to expand into this DEI area build your relationships Um, it's super critical it's super important Um, you want people to trust you in this work you're doing you want folks to know that they're here that you're here to help them make the organization be as great as it can be Um, and it can sometimes feel a little intimidating um, when you have DEI coming in to have conversations about what's going on in your department Um, so if you have that trust in those relationships they'll be much more willing and open and wanting for you they'll be coming in and pulling you into their team meetings versus you feeling like you need to push yourself on in um, which is super super critical Um, some other fun things that I'm working on you know some of the work, other works I do I do serve on a couple boards so I always say get involved if you can outside into your communities as well and see if you can make a little bit of a difference um, not just within your workplace but but outside of that as well
0: I do have a question too, um, you know, related to region. Um, so you are in Philadelphia, where I live yes, for four years, um, where it's a little bit easier to have to, and to meet people, you know, one on one in person. Um, whereas I'm, you know, I moved back to Michigan. And so it's a little bit more difficult you know I, I feel like a lot of people that may be you know in very white spaces are like okay well where do I start and you know it's it almost seems like if I want to meet more people how do I make it seem like it's not hunting for diversity
1: <laughs> <laughs> no right like you're yeah. specifically searching for the black friend right yeah let's not <laughs> right. do that um
0: <laughs> but well, you know and I mean,
1: and I think that's it is such a great question because I do think that um, a lot of folks hold themselves like do ask themselves that question because they don't want to be offensive or feel like they're tokenizing somebody because you really don't want to right. Um, but you can you can sit back and kind of look at what are, are there organizations or are there spaces you know where where do folks hang out or what, where do folks get involved in? Right. Um, And then sometimes when you're in a, in a room or like, let's say again, I'm going to go back to this PTA. I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but for some reason parent teacher association meetings are in my head today and community (laughs) school board type stuff. But if you're at a PTA meeting, right, and there's that coffee mingling moment, right, instead of gravitating to someone who naturally looks like you in the room, go like try and walk over to someone who you've never seen before, someone who looks a little bit different than you, and just strike up a conversation because you just never know where that can lead. And if it doesn't lead into something long term, that's perfectly okay. But at least you said hi and you can try in it again the next time. Um, but definitely putting yourself in different circles, um, maybe even professional organizations that might look a little bit, um, that might be along your interest area, but not necessarily something you do day to day, could definitely be a really great way as
0: well to get more involved too. Yeah. And digital too has really helped as well, um, you know, for people who are in those very white towns or locations that, um, you know, it's the internet has been, the internet causes a lot of trouble, but it has done yes. incredible things in connecting people and helping us understand each other better. <laughs>
1: For sure, yeah. I definitely uh, following folks on LinkedIn is one of my one of my pastimes to do because you just start to follow them a little bit and you engage on their posts a little bit, and the more and more you know, you like or comment, you can strike up conversations, uh, you know, and and you can always send a nice message on LinkedIn asking if the person would be willing to grab coffee with you. Then after a little bit of time, too, you know, you'd be surprised about how many folks are are flattered and willing to strike up a conversation.
0: Yeah, especially if it's just from a stranger who found you that is flattering it, <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah super flattering. i'm famous kind of right like yeah, <laughs> yeah okay so speaking of how can people contact you
1: if oh, they please. want to know yeah. you
0: and uh you know maybe talk d e and i for sure you can definitely find me on linkedin
1: so when linkedin is kayla blanks k-a-e-l-a blanks like Billy Blank's, you know, the Taibo guy. Um, well, I don't think we're family related, but we'll uh, have to do some, some genealogy research there. Or I'm um, also on uh, Instagram and Twitter at BizBK. So B-I-Z-Z-B-E-K-A-E. Um, so you can find me in all three of those social media platforms.
0: Fabulous. Well, Kayla, thank you again. This has been great. And um, if anyone knows of uh, any other leaders in the HR space, you can reach me at, at staffgeek.com. This was such a wonderful chat. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you on the internet. Awesome. Good. Thanks so much, <laughs> Lindsay. Thank you. Bye, Kayla. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay@staffgeek.com. That's l-i-n-d-s-a-y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.